Welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast. By Penn State fans, for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince. What's up, Nittany Lion fans? Welcome back to the Nittany Blues Podcast. We are here to recap Penn State's 35-16 victory over the Michigan State Spartans. Penn State has finished the regular season with a record of 10-2. and They have rejoined the top 10 in the AP poll, and they've positioned themselves nicely to have a trip to a New Year's Six bowl game. So Penn State did end up covering the spread in this game, but definitely don't think it was the way that a lot of people uh, thought it might go. Vince? Definitely got to give you some props here. You thought that this would be more of a slog than people initially thought. So what were some of your thoughts from this game? Uh, One, the defense exceeded my expectations. I was expecting them to have a little bit of a setback compared to the past two weeks just because of a little bit higher level of competition. However, uh, they looked fantastic. Joey Porter was back. So that was really great to see him being able to play on senior night. Uh, yeah, so they, they did really well. They forced three turnovers. You know, credit to you. You thought they would get more turnovers than I did uh, without Bill Carter running around and uh, causing havoc. So defense is good. Uh, they suffocated them <laughs> in the rushing attack. Michigan State only had 25 rush yards. Beaver Stadium was a really good environment. It was The lower part of it was pretty much full with the exception of the student section. So, a uh, really great environment offensively. Sean Clifford had a really great day. We didn't rush for as many yards as I would have hoped for, but uh, Sean really did a great job on senior night. Uh, had four touchdowns, even exceeding my communion prediction, and uh, really led the Nittany Lions to victory in the fourth quarter there when it was close. Yeah, for sure. It was nice to see Sean Clifford go out that way because, um, you know, Penn State's rushing attack was just absolutely stymied in the second half. I mean, I don't know if it was a combination of just kind of a dip in the offensive line's performance along with maybe some adjustments by Michigan State, but, you know, we really couldn't get anything going in the running game in the second half, um, which was kind of a surprise after uh, having some good success in the first half. But when Sean Clifford's number was called, um, he answered the bell and, you know, answered it very well. Um, you know, he only had those uh, those five incompletions, so definitely one of his better games as an accurate passer and things of that in that regard. So just super glad to see him go out in that way. Um, I'm with you that, you know, I was very happy with the defense overall. I thought that they did an excellent job of uh, kind of keeping – Penn State in control throughout the game, even when the offense was having some of its struggles earlier on in the game and uh, during uh, the early parts of the second half. I mean, it just kind of seemed that like as long as Penn State's defense was performing well, um, you know, Penn State was going to be in a good position. They did make me a little nervous, uh, you know, kind of midway through the second half when Penn State was giving up like third and 10 and third and 18 and stuff like that. And we had some some weird things going on where like we had Kobe King uh, covering the tight end one on one. And we had like deny Dennis Sutton out there in coverage on that third and 18 conversion. So it just kind of seemed like maybe Michigan State was throwing some uh, some looks at them that maybe they weren't expecting or, you know, whatever the case may be, it's college football. So um, at, but at the end of the day, you know, Penn State won this game. They did end up winning it rather comfortably um we got to see some flashes of good things from some young players including of course abdul carter who looks like a bona fide number 11 for penn state um 
we saw both of the freshman running backs doing some good things. Um, even in the passing game, we saw Nick Singleton get a touchdown reception in this game. Um, and the tight ends as well. I mean, we can't talk about the tight ends enough. I mean, this really has become a tight end room. You know, it's not just a one-man show with Brenton Strange anymore. Tyler Warren uh, just recovering that fumble and then catching the touchdown pass on the very next play. I mean, that's kind of stuff that you can't really overlook. Um, and of course, Theo Johnson had the first two. It's kind of a, a strange and good problem for Penn State to have where like their leading tight end uh, was kind of overshadowed by the two other guys. But uh, all in all, just um, a nice mixture for a Penn State victory. Yeah, and, and those are good problems to have. Ha- having too many good players at, at a position like that, especially with tight end and this team where we've really established the identity of being a more run first team. Uh, you want tight ends out there for blocking. Uh, it just makes the run game go so much easier. And then uh, that uh, really makes it easy to open up uh, the play action game as well. I want to get some of your thoughts since you were actually at this game. What was the reception like for Sean Clifford coming out? Because I mean, I kind of seemed like people were going to, um, kind of come down even keel to give Sean Clifford the reception and the ovation that he deserved uh, with this being his last game at Beaver stadium. So what was the reception like for him? So we, we didn't get uh, out there in time for like the senior day uh, festivities, but okay. at the end of the, at the end of the game, you saw Sean uh, going to the North end zone. He was, you know, high-fiving fans, shaking hands. Everyone was saying thank you. And he was signing autographs for kids and stuff. So I thought the reception was very warm for the most part, even though I wasn't necessarily there. You know, the student section wasn't there, which that's probably where a lot of your booze are coming from too. Mm. Because, you know, you have a bunch of you know young people who think Drew Lahr is like going to be, you know, the best thing ever. And, you know, they don't <laughs> want to wait. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that Sean got a warm reception in Beaver Stadium. Good, good. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, there, there's going to be so many things said and written about Sean Clifford, but at the end of the day, the guy has led Penn State to two 10-win seasons. So, Yeah, he did great, and it's crazy to think that uh, all of our touchdowns were through the air today. Yeah, right. four from Sean and one from Ke- Keandre Lambert-Smith, and yeah. that hasn't been the case for the past few weeks, so they mi- definitely mixed it up a little bit. For sure, which we've got to talk about that play because that was an absolute dime that Keandre threw. I mean, that was perfect right in stride into Theo's hands. I mean, like quite honestly, I don't know if Sean or drew could have thrown that ball better. Like it was perfect. Yeah. And he must've played some quarterback maybe at the junior high level or a a little bit in uh, high school. So that that's also, there's also potential there, but yeah, it was a beautiful throw and that's really tough to do in a game because quarterbacks, they're able to more getting a rhythm if they have one or two bad throws, but, when he he gets it on that trick play, he knows that's probably his only shot for the entire game. And to have the clutch ability to nail that mm-hmm. throw and with how good how good it was, uh, really impressive that he was able to hit Theo Johnson that way. And what else really impressed yeah, me for sure. was Catron Allen and Nick Singleton both got enough scrimmage yards to get to over 1,000 yards on the season for both of them. So I wonder nice. when in Penn State history we, we've had two freshmen with over a thousand yards of offense in the season. Honestly, it's probably never like Penn state historically um, has not played underclassmen, especially during the days of Joe Paterno. Um, So this type of, you know, freshman sensation sort of thing is uh, kind of a new 
um, experience for Penn State. So I'm willing to put my chips on this not having happened for Penn State in the past. So yeah, I mean, super glad that we have both of them. Obviously, we we have them for at least uh, two more years. So just uh, can't wait to say more awesome things about Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. Yeah, and I do think that you have to give a shout out to Coach Franklin too for and Juwan Sider for being able to recruit these guys and you know get them to come to Penn State because that's that's honestly half the job of the coaching staff is getting the, the talent in. Oh, for sure, and you know so often with positions like running back, you know so often the recruiting pitch is like you're going to be the guy, you know, so you're going to be like the star of the rushing attack. You're going to get all these carries and stuff like that. Your name is going to be said by everybody in the stadium and around town and stuff like that. Like it's along with the quarterback, it's a, it's a very much, you're going to be the man type of position. So the fact that they were able to, you know, kind of pitch both of these guys and kind of like tell a story of how both of them are going to see a ton of success at Penn state very early on become household names, not only for Penn state fans, but for college football overall, like that's a, that's a really good uh, recruiting win for Penn state when, you know, there's been plenty of times like where they've had misses. So, you know, I think between them Abdul Carter, Drew Shelton, and some others. This has been a stellar freshman class. Yeah, definitely one of the best freshman class we've had in a, a long time. You know, with the with uh, Trace and Saquon, kind of that era coming to coming to mind. Uh, these guys are really set to, you know, write their own story and, and leave a great mark in Penn State football. Uh, speaking of leaving a mark in a way, um, got to talk about Jake Pinnegar for a second because that guy, <laughs> I. I don't know if he just like got into his own head so much after that Michigan state player jumped the line on his first field goal attempt, but man, you can't be missing chip shots in a, in a close game against Michigan state. Like that spells disaster. So, um, especially at home. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just very weird things. Like I gave, I'll give him a pass on the first one because like that guy was like on top of him in an instant. So I don't know if maybe he was like, kind of trying to navigate the kick away from him, but still try to squeeze it into the uprights. I mean, Franklin um, on the television broadcast, they kept going back to him because Franklin was livid about that not being called, like the guy jumping right over um, the line. Yeah, I was pretty sure that wasn't allowed uh, in the NFL or (laughs) it's like he jumps over the guy. He hurdles him essentially. Yeah, so that was that was a missed penalty. So, you know, I kind of gave him a pass for that one. But then the chip shot, I mean, I don't know if he was like maybe just over expecting Michigan state to maybe try the same thing again, but man, that was, that was a bad, bad miss. So I thought, you know, like it kind of had shades of Michigan state games in the past where it's like Penn state is the better team should win the game, but you know, they're just kind of letting Michigan state hang around longer than they should be because of, you know, missed opportunities like field goals and stuff like that. So, um, you know, that's something that I think should also be reiterated. Like we've talked over and over about how Penn state hasn't let trends of the past kind of define them the season where they haven't stacked any losses. Um, they've kind of overcome their mistakes of previous games and stuff like that to, um, you know, kind of have a better outcome overall. And this is the type of game that Penn state has lost in the past. And then they ended up winning it by 19. So <laughs> I think that's a big deal too. Yeah. I think that's my fault partially though, because one of our communion predictions, because when we uh, do our communion at the tailgate, I do have to, I did have to give like six communion predictions. So one of my <laughs> predictions was that Jake Penniger would be perfect on senior night with his kicks. And uh, 
and just to see that happen within like the the first few minutes of the game, I'm like, well, there goes that one. And yeah. maybe he's one of the guys like Nick Singleton, or I, I should just stay away from him because it's it's bad luck when I when he's included in the communion predictions. That's right. Yeah. No, he's the he's the kind of guy that like you know the announcers are kind of come on and say, oh, like he's perfect from 35 and in, like right before he just shanks one. So you know maybe uh, yeah, just for our own um, superstitious selves, we should stay away from him. Yeah, I will not make any predictions for their bowl game. I do think uh, <laughs> I don't know if this is like a communion prediction or not because I'm predicting the future, but I do think we will see Penn State in the Cotton Bowl. Okay. That's Tulane. So, um, you know, c- uh, could make a prediction that Cotton Bowl Clifford, he'll have a two two Cotton Bowl wins for Penn State. That would be quite an accomplishment. Like, I don't know if the you know, college football historians would have to kind of dig through the record books to maybe find it, but there's probably a very small list of players who have won the same like premier bowl game in their career. Yeah, because uh, they don't get there very much unless you're in Ohio State or Alabama who go to the college football playoff every year. I did want to just, uh, you know, kind of shout out. So it was funny when we were texting during the game and I kind of texted our group and said, uh, Kalen King, I mean, the guy the guy was just desperate to try and pick one off in the first half. I mean, he was breaking up passes left and right, just an absolute animal. And he wanted one so badly. And then finally in the second half, he got one. I'm like, yep. That's uh, that's the release right there. He he wanted it and he was not going to let that one be denied. Yeah, him and Abdul Carter just absolutely balled out today. And Adisa yeah. Isaac had a really good game. Chop had a nice game. They're getting in the backfield. And it was just a really awesome performance to see uh, from that yeah. defense. Like, man, uh, we have a lot of depth there, too. We, we have a lot of guys coming back. Uh, D- so I know Jair Brown is leaving. He'll be graduated. Right. Yeah, PJ Mustafer is a senior, correct? Yes, he is. But yeah, right. we still have lots of depth at all those positions. Yeah, I mean, especially at the defensive tackle position too. I mean, because I Izzard and Devon Ellis, like they're going to be stellar. You know, I don't want to call them replacements, but you know, the next uh, players at the defensive tackle position, and um, also you know, because we're talking about guys who had really good games. Uh, Nick Tarburton also had a really solid game too. He recovered that. Uh, backwards pass fumble early on in the game and he had a couple of swatted passes uh it's funny because the one pass that he swatted away and abdul carter almost almost grabbed that to take it into the end zone for six and it's funny because on the broadcast um you know he swatted the ball away and he and abdul both went for the interception and abdul just kind of looked at nick just like are you kidding me man like i had that kind of uh uh, moment. It was, it was really funny. Cause uh, you could just tell he, he, he really wanted that one, but you know, when you're, when you're a Penn state fan and you're playing Michigan state, uh, all he wants to find a way to get out of there with a win, just because weird things happen. Whenever we play Michigan state, the land grant trophy has been returned to the appropriate state and very <laughs> happy. It'll be back in state college for the next year. That's right. All in all, I, when I was watching this game, I really didn't feel like we had a chance to lose until it was 21-16. Yes. But when Sean got the ball back, I kind of felt like it was going to be a Purdue-type situation where it was like, okay, we let them back in it. And I I, I just had a feeling in my gut that like Sean was going to go down the field and kind of put the final nail in the coffin. The game was put on his shoulders after um, so much of the game being put on the running game. And they were trying to like, 
run their head through that brick wall through um, three quarters up to that point. But then the coaches said, all right, Sean, go win this for us. And he did. Yep. So credit to him. Great way to uh, have your uh, Beaver, a great way to have your Beaver Stadium finale end up. All right. So player of the game, the bird brawler, who do you got? So going to continue the celebration of the tight ends. I'm giving this award to Tyler Warren. Um, Tyler's a guy who has had his ups and downs, um, even during the season, had a couple of drops um, here and there. Just kind of seemed like he was, uh, you know, not up to the level of Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson in terms of his ability to really affect things in the passing game. But he showed some heroics in that game. Um, You know, just the sequence of him recovering that fumble on special teams after I think it was Jair knocked it out. And then on the very next play, had a really spectacular catch in the end zone to uh, put Penn state, put up some more quick points for Penn state. Like that to me was uh, that was bird brawler material. Like he just uh, was kind of a do it all kind of guy um, had another nice catch uh, later on in the game. So kind of seems like he was getting, he's getting over his drops and everything. Um, and to me, this is now kind of culminating into Franklin's claim of this being the best tight end group that he's ever had because I, you know, when I look at the three of them now and compare them against, you know, the likes of the tight ends when Gasicki was there, when Fryermuth was there, like they had, they had other guys obviously, but it was not the collective impact that I think these three are having. So it's awesome just to see it come to fruition. So he gets the award this week. Yeah. And he, he's really quickly becoming one of Penn state's best red zone targets. He had the touchdown yeah. against Rutgers and yep. uh, I think he had an, another one a couple weeks before that. So yeah, he's really blossoming. And then it's it's crazy to think that at the beginning of the year, it was just the Brenton Strange show. And now yep. we really haven't seen Brenton Strange in the second half of the season. And I don't know if that's more defenses are trying to shut him down because they know how good he is. But yeah, so it's really nice to see Tyler Warren step up as a, now I think we can say reliable red zone target. And then also Theo Johnson yep. has, a, you know, has shown up. He, he hasn't always had the most reliable hands, but... You know, these past three, four games, every time we've been aiming at him, he's been catching everything and had two touchdowns today. That was, you know, awesome to see. So, you know, tight end group did a really great job today. So now it's your turn. Who wins the finale fighter for this regular season finale? There were so many great candidates that you could choose from today. Uh, You could pick Sean Clifford. He had... Uh, almost as many touchdown passes as incompletions. Uh, four touchdown passes to only five incompletions all game. Uh, he balled out today. Uh, there are a bunch of guys on the defense. Abdul Carter led the team with tackles, uh, five solo tackles, three tackles for loss, two sacks. He had a dominant performance. Uh, you can look at a guy like Jair Brown, who had six tackles, and he uh, knocked out the football on special teams that led to that Tyler Warren recovery. Uh, you could go to Kalen King. Uh, you, he was just a menace in the passing game today, knocking down passes, uh, came down with an interception. That was a big turning point in the game. Adisa uh, Isaac had a nice sack. Uh, Izzard had a nice tackle for loss. So there are guys just wrecking havoc everywhere. You could even go with the tight ends. You could go with Tyler Warren like you did. Theo Johnson, you know, cashed in on, on his opportunities, three catches for 62 yards and two touchdowns. But the guy I'm going to roll with, I'm going to go with Keandre Lambert. It's not often that you watch college football and you see someone have not only a receiving touchdown, but a passing touchdown. And that was not an easy throw. This was a 
48 yard touchdown pass. He was elite today. He caught five of his six targets for 83 yards and a touchdown. Uh, really stepping up in the absence of Parker Washington. And, you know, and Mitchell Tinsley, we didn't see much from him today. Only three targets, one reception for 13 yards. So, you know, he really stepped up and carried this Penn State team to victory. So I'm going to roll with Keandre Lambert-Smith. Nice. Yeah. And they mentioned this on the broadcast and it definitely seems like this is the case. Um, Keandre Lambert has really stepped up in the absence of Parker Washington as kind of one of those like uh, make a play after the catch sort of receivers. Um, You know, he has uh, it seems like he's uh, really stepped up in his ability to kind of break a few tackles and get upfield in a hurry. So it's awesome to see the prolific speed that he showed during his high school career, which really enticed Penn State to go after him, kind of uh, playing itself out now. Um, in the blue and white. So, you know, just uh, excited to see what's in store for him as he's getting these much needed reps. And, you know, he's, he's another guy who's had some issues with drops in the past as well. Um, Didn't really show up in this game, you know, or even really uh, recent games when you really think about it, Uh, had a really nice catch in the end zone with that last Sean Clifford uh, touchdown pass over a couple of defenders. So um, awesome to just see his talent kind of show through. Any other football you watched this weekend, Andrew? Uh, dude, it was a crazy weekend. And, I, you know, it's kind of funny because we've talked, you know, after Penn State was ranked number 11 for the second week in a row by the college football playoff, we were kind of left wondering, like, okay, if uh, all these games kind of play out the way that they're expected to, like, what's going to be left for Penn State when it comes time to select teams for New Year's Six? Because, you know, the, the top 10 is really where all those teams get selected. So we needed some help and boy, did we get some, um, you know, the help really came from, uh, teams like Clemson and LSU losing as well as Oregon. So that has allowed Penn state to move up into the top 10 of the AP poll, uh, kind of expect the college football playoff committee to follow suit here in a couple of days. Uh, maybe, maybe they won't rank them, um, as highly as the AP or coaches poll, but I definitely think that they're going to be in the top 10. Um, so those were crazy games and Ohio state, Michigan, man, like I, I wasn't going to be very surprised at who won that game either way. I thought both of them were very talented. However, I did think it was going to be close. I definitely did not expect a Michigan state blowout in the shoe. Like that to me was one of the most shocking results of the college football season so far. Yeah, I think it was too. And when you look at the score, 45 to 23, not at home in the big house, but in the shoe, that's a really impressive. And this is the the second year we've seen Ohio State lose to Michigan this year at home. This is the second year in a row that Ohio State will not be the Big Ten champions. Uh, how do you think this has an impact on recruiting since geographically we recruit uh, Ohio recruits closer to us than, say, uh, Michigan might? You know, Michigan has, they've always been kind of in the top, like five, top eight teams in terms of recruiting um, almost immediately after Harbaugh got there. So I don't think this is necessarily going to impact things too much. I mean, Ohio State still has the juice to get just about anybody and compete with like your Alabamas and your Georgias for all those five stars. But, you know, I think uh, some of them might start paying a bit more attention to Michigan too. I mean, we're, we're seeing the impact that these five-star guys are having for Michigan early on. I mean, JJ McCarthy looked awesome. Um, it's really scary to think that he's going to be at Michigan for at least two more seasons because, um, you know, all season long, he hasn't been asked to do a ton on his own, you know, because they've, they've been able to lean on their running game so far, but 
um, in that game with Blake Corum not being able to play the entire game. I mean, they were still running the ball pretty effectively, but uh, JJ McCarthy was throwing the ball excellently. So, you know, I think that uh, it kind of shows that Michigan has the willingness to put these guys out there. If they are talented enough, they're going to be competing for uh, conference championships and for national championships. If they go to Michigan, um, they're going to prove it now for the second year in a row. I mean, I, spoiler, I'm predicting Michigan to win the big 10 championship game. Um, mm-hmm. And now they also have uh, some senior guys who are going to be leaving the program, leaving some spots for these young guys to kind of take up the mantle. So, you know, who knows? I think this will provide a bit of a bump for Michigan. Um, I, I still think they're going to be holding par pretty close closely though with uh, kind of the SEC guns and things like that. So, you know, um, what I do think that this might have an impact on though is Ryan Day at Ohio State. I mean, the guy has been absolutely phenomenal at Ohio State. Um, you, you talk about a guy who's won multiple conference titles now, uh, has taken Ohio State to the national championship in 2020, but losing to Michigan twice is not going to sit well with uh, like the boosters and the administration at Ohio State. So, uh, you know, you're already starting to see things like if if Ohio State loses to Michigan again next year, that you might see them move away from Ryan Day, which is like absolutely insane, just given uh, what the what the guy's been able to accomplish so far. Yeah, that is insane. I I don't think. You know, if that's Ohio State's only loss of the season, I, I don't think they're going to be going away from Ryan Day, especially when you're a head coach that does have a national championship. So if that's the only loss, I, I think they'll be okay. But Ohio State fans are very into Ohio State, Michigan, and I Ohio State fans would rather be like nine and three and beat Michigan than, uh, you know, go eleven and one and lose to Michigan. So yeah, you know, every day of does, the week. Yeah, every day of the week. So, um, the, you know, the hatred is there and, you know, they they do not view it as acceptable to lose to Michigan. However, it, I feel like they're kind of in the boat with this, like with we are with Coach Franklin. It's like, who are you going to get that's better? So, uh, oh, I mean, absolutely. Shown, shown that he's done a good job and Coach Franklin's done a good job. And hopefully uh, Coach Franklin can be more consistent, uh, you know, after the, the COVID years and, you know, that didn't really go our way. I, I do hope we'll see him more getting back on track like coach Franklin does, uh, you know, when, when he had that big 10 championship and, and then trace had a nice season. They won the Fiesta bowl after that. And then we went to the cotton bowl and then, you know, we had our couple down here. So I'm hoping we, we, you know, start doing more towards our uh, 2016 to 2019 selves than, you know, two years ago. I hope we start trending back to that consistently. Yeah, for sure. And I think they are trending in that right direction because the margin of error for Penn State recruiting wise has always been smaller than it's been for like your Ohio State, your Michigans, your Alabamas and your Georgias, because, you know, Penn State is not going to get the sheer volume of blue chip recruits that those teams are going to get. Like they're, they're just not, and they know they're not. So they really need to make sure that they hit on these guys. Um, and to be more specific, you know, they got to make sure that these guys are going to be the ones who are going to make a difference on the field. And we're already starting to see that play out. So I think they are on that right track. They just got to, uh, continue with their rock solid evaluation and everything in between. Yeah. They're, they're crushing it. And I hope they continue to crush it. Uh, another thing I see with Michigan kind of going up and doing better with recruiting recently is I, I think it might almost might even out the big 10 a little bit more because we've seen this big 
dominant Ohio State Buckeye squad for the past like five, ten years. It's been all Ohio State. And and now, you know, with Michigan coming up and Penn State being pretty good, you might see more of the the recruits more evenly dispersed between Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. And with Purdue making the Big Ten championship with an eight and four record, would you foresee the Big Ten just getting rid of uh you know divisions next year? Let me put it this way. If Michigan smashes Purdue like a lot of people think they probably will. Those conversations are probably going to happen. Yeah, I, I just think you have to. Um, it, it is kind of funny, though, because, you know, they made like the change to the football season a few months before it started, you know, with us with us going like Thursday with Purdue. And um, we didn't play Michigan and Ohio State back to back. They got spread out. We played uh, Minnesota instead of Illinois. That got changed. So you know, anything's possible. And then they, even though they, they changed our schedule again for 2023. Now, Illinois is our first big 10 game on the road for the 13th out of 14 years in a row. So, you know, who's to say that the big 10 won't just be like, okay, we're going to change it again. Yeah. Cause I mean, at this point it's like, you know, you just have one of your divisions smashing another one each year. Like the big 10 West has, I, I think they may have won the championship back in uh, like 2011? No? Uh, I thought they might have with nope, Russell Wilson was, uh, in Wisconsin. I, I don't think so. Well, I mean, either way, I mean, yeah, you like you talk about like the past 10 years. I mean, pretty much ever since Urban Meyer got to Ohio State, it's been the Big Ten East. And that story hasn't changed. It doesn't look like it's going to change, even with the addition of Matt Rule uh, to Nebraska. And now it's looking like Luke Fickle is going to go to Wisconsin. I mean, like... Nebraska thought they hit a home run with Scott Frost. And at the time it, it did look like a home run and we all saw how that turned out. So, you know, none of these things are a given the West is still going to be, uh, the way weaker division until some drastic things change with some of their top teams. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think that there's, um, like no reason to have the conversation of, uh, dissolving divisions as early as next year. We got USC and UCLA coming in in 2024 anyway, so they're going to have to figure out what they want to do with a 16-team Big Ten right. and how they're going to figure that out, too. Are they going to do eight games? Are they going to do nine? No one knows, and I think it's really interesting and going to be a big day on Sports Center when they end up deciding what they're going to do. It, it's funny because you can almost make the case that they should just be two separate conferences, like make the Big Ten West like, you know, every every team from like this point to the West and then all these teams to the East are the Big Ten East. And uh, we'll just have two conferences that uh, could be considered for the college football playoff. Yep, exactly. That'd be that'd be nice. Yeah, there, there were a lot, a lot of good games this weekend between ranked opponents. Uh, we'll swing over to the Pac-12 first uh, since. We do have some of those teams joining us over in the Big Ten very soon. Uh, number 13, Washington. They won the rivalry game over Washington State, 51-33. to 33. Uh, Number 6, USC. Didn't help us out in the rankings. Uh, they beat Notre Dame 38-27 at home. Number 14, Utah. Smashed Colorado 63-21, like most teams do. Number 9, Oregon. Lost on the road to number 21, Oregon State, for the first time in a while. 38 to 34. And then number 18, UCLA, they struggled, but did sneak out of 
Cal with a, a W, 35-28. to 28. Uh, Andrew, what were your thoughts on the USC-Notre Dame game, and how does that impact Penn State going into uh, new bowl games and playoffs, and what do you think about that? Well, all I know is that next weekend, Penn State fans and Ohio State fans are going to become Utah fans because uh, Ohio State is obviously going to need some help to make their way back into the top four for the college football playoff uh, contention. And right now it's looking like USC is going to take that that fourth spot. Um, so if if USC loses again to Utah, you, you have to imagine that that opens the door for Ohio State being 11 and one to be that fourth team selected. And then for Penn State, you know, we've talked about this before, the, the road for Penn State to get to the Rose Bowl is for both Michigan and Ohio State to be in the college football playoff. Um, right now, uh, that's not in the cards. You know, they need they still need help. Um, it's not impossible, but uh, it's looking less and less likely, I guess I'll say. So, you know, both of those fan bases are really going to be pulling for Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, USC did look solid. I think they've earned that top four spot just given um, what's transpired around them in the country. I mean, for the most part, they are taking care of business. They've just had that one blip against Utah. Uh, but I still think that at their best, um, they're a very dangerous team, especially with Caleb Williams at the helm. So I think if we see him in the playoffs, it'll still be it'll still be interesting. I, I think that USC is a pretty good team. Yeah, and if you're USC, this is the perfect scenario for you in your case to the college football playoff committee. The, the one team they lost to was Utah, so they can really correct that blemish. Uh, they only lost by one point on the road at Utah, and you know since they'll have a neutral field, I think it's going to be a lot easier for uh, USC to get a victory here, and you know they won't have that crowd noise, and you know they're just kind of riding a high right now after being Notre Dame. I think that is the best they've really played all season after having a lot of close wins. Like they barely beat Oregon state. Uh, I think they were close with Arizona state and some teams you wouldn't expect them to be competitive with. Uh, so, you know, USC is on the track to do well. Uh, however, go Utes. Yeah, exactly. All right. Moved on to the big 12. We had number 12, Kansas state. They beat their in-state rivals, Kansas 47 to 27. So you might be seeing Kansas State and a Sugar Bowl. Uh, number four, TCU beat Iowa State to stand defeated. They thumped them. It was 62-14. to 20, to 14. Number 23, Texas beat Baylor 38-27. to 27. Uh, What are your thoughts on TCU? Man, they look good. Yeah, uh, they look like they belong. Um, you know, they've kind of been the team that I feel like, you know, pundits were kind of saying, well, who have they played? Who have they beaten? And, you know, at the end of the day, there's only three teams right now who have an undefeated record, and they're one of them. So, you know, they've beaten ranked teams along the way. They've uh, they've actually beaten a string of ranked teams um, throughout the entire season. Um, all those teams at the end of the regular season now don't look super spectacular, but that is also also partially due to TCU beating them. So I think that they've earned that number three spot in the AP poll. I think that they probably are going to – I mean – it would be crazy for them not to move up to number three in the college football playoff poll as well. Um, I think they've earned their spot. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of put an exclamation point on this uh, season to um, give themselves some momentum going into the college football playoff. Yeah, they can. Uh, 
And the big game in the ACC this week was NC State beating number 17 UNC 30 to 27 in double overtime. Andrew, I know you you caught that game. What was that game like? It was honestly crazy. Um, NC State came out hot. They scored a bunch of points and kind of looked like NC was up against the ropes. Uh, Drake May being the prolific player that he is uh, really took them down the field in quick fashion. Um, and at the very end of regulation, it was a pretty crazy sequence. Uh, Drake escaped some pressure, rolled out to his left through an absolute dart to, I think it was the tight end to score, but that one actually got overturned. Um, but because I, I forget what the circumstances were, but NC then had one final play with zero time on the clock to basically do something with. And then Drake may threw another touchdown. So they tied it up. Um, went into overtime and then NC State won the game on a missed extra point on the part of UNC to win that game. And I mean, it's just like you want to talk about like an atmosphere. I mean, it was charged. Like you had NC State players uh, waving the NC State flag on UNC's field. Um, obviously, there were a lot of emotions going into this one. I mean, because um, early on in the season, uh, Drake May made the comment or joke that. People don't go to NC State. Uh, they only go there if they couldn't get into UNC. Uh, you know, the fans and the alumni and the players didn't take kindly that. Uh, Dave Doran, going into this one, the coach of the NC State Wolfpack, uh, called UNC elitists. And then after the game, after uh, NC State had won, Finley, the quarterback for NC State, made the quip that. Uh, he never tried to get into UNC, but according to Drake May, he couldn't have. But he's still pretty happy to graduate from UN, or uh, he's still happy to graduate from NC State with a degree in finance. So these guys did not like each other. Definitely, uh, no love lost between um, these two teams after this game. Uh, I think it's awesome. I was not aware at how charged this rivalry was, uh, but it's going to be interesting stuff for a couple of years to come because Drake may uh, obviously is a freshman. So he's, uh, he's going to be there for a little while. Yeah. Cause usually when you think of uh, UNC, you think of their big rival being Duke because of all the great basketball games right. they've had over the number of years. And, you know, that's the team that they seem to hate the most. Uh, however, UNC and NC state is a huge rivalry. Um, you know, big game for uh, NC, the NC state Wolfpack and, UNC is really stumbling going into this ACC championship. They were looking potentially like an outside team that might sneak into the college football playoff. Their only loss was early in the season to Notre Dame, who at the time didn't look very good. But now that they've found their stride and they're playing better, that's not quite as bad of a loss. And, you know, if UNC beats Clemson, they can, you know, make the case that they belong. And then they blew this three touchdown or a 17 point lead at home to Georgia tech against their third string quarterback and like a second string offensive line. And now they, you know, lose it at home again to their in-state rival NC state. So it's just crazy to see them fall from race and make you thankful that this was not Penn state. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we talk about kind of stumbling into the ACC championship. I mean, talk about two teams that lost their in-state, uh, rivalry game between Clemson, who had kind of the the double injury of essentially losing their shot at the college football playoff. I mean, these are just two teams that's basically like th- this is now their Super Bowl. Like they're playing, they're mm-hmm. playing for their conference title, and that's 
like basically it. Yeah, it is. The the ACC really beat each other up this year. They didn't have a clear best team. A lot of teams lost to Notre Dame or got upset by an opponent, maybe in the SEC as well. Uh, you had uh, Clemson losing by one, one point to Spencer Rattler in South Carolina. You know, a lot of good rivalries this week. You had number 16, Florida State, the Florida 45 to 38. You had number 25, Louisville, losing to Kentucky 26 13. Uh, Georgia beat Georgia Tech 37-14. A uh, lot of lot of great games uh, this week in the, uh, the those ACC and SEC in-state rivalries. Um, wh- which one was the biggest for you? Which one uh, got you most excited? Uh, probably South Carolina Clemson, uh, just because I knew that Penn State was going to need some help to get back into the top 10. So that was the one I was most excited about. Um and I uh, honestly, I, I'm just like so tired of the narrative around the SEC when it comes to other conferences. I mean, this has been going on for years, but it's just always been been in the uh, in the conversation. So I think it's great that Florida State uh, beat Florida the way that they did. Um, Florida State is a is a program that has uh, you know definitely struggled at times after the departure of Jimbo Fisher and after. Uh, Jameis Winston's time and things like that. So, you know, I, I would just kind of say it's nice to see um, a team kind of coming up that might challenge Clemson in the ACC again. Uh, so that was pretty cool to see. But yeah, it was definitely that um, USC Clemson game that got me the most excited. It is nice to see Clemson not just have a easy cupcake path to the college football playoff every single year with some of these uh, in-conference right. opponents getting better. Um, yeah. Do you think Penn State would beat Clemson if they played now? Because uh, you, you think they had that close game with Wake Forest, that close game with Syracuse. Uh, they lost to Notre Dame. They got whooped, and then they just lost a close one to South Carolina. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts? How, how does Penn State stack up against Clemson? I would say on a neutral field, uh, you can make the case for Penn State minus two or three. I think they match up decently well with um, – Clemson in that, you know, you have DJ Wigalale um, throwing the ball all over the place. Penn State has a really good secondary. Um, I think that when it's working, uh, Penn State's run game has the ability to kind of take control of the game, um, things like that. So I would probably take Penn State over Clemson right now on a neutral field. Yeah, I think I would too. And uh, it's a bummer we won't get to see that because you have Alabama and uh, Tennessee just above us in the AP pool. So unfortunately the orange bowl is not looking like something that's going to happen, but um, you know, what could have been right? Yeah. We'll finish off with our sec rivalry games. Uh, number 10, Tennessee, they lost head and hooker uh, with an ACL for the season. However, they did not miss a beat. They, they gave uh Vandy a butt whooping. It was fixed 56 to nothing in their game. Uh, Alabama, we did, exactly what they expected them to do. They beat up Auburn 49 to 27 uh, Mississippi state upset Ole Miss 24 to 22 in the egg bowl. Uh, one of those trophy games we talked about last week and probably the, the biggest upset here was number five LSU lost at Texas A&M 38 to 23 in college station. When we were talking about playoff scenarios earlier and floating ideas. And I said, Oh, LSU might lose. Uh, you told me that wasn't going to happen. This happened today. 
Yeah, I did not see this coming. I mean, Texas A&M has essentially been in a free fall for the second half of the season. And I thought that LSU having a ton to play for, um, just given that, you know, they they had those two losses, but if they finished off the season in style, uh, you know, potentially winning the SEC championship game, that might finally be the straw that broke the camel's back and allowed a two-loss team into the college football playoff. Like, that just went out the window. Um, I, I saw a tweet that really made me, you know, take pause and think because uh, someone said that, oh, while well, Penn State hasn't beat a ranked opponent this year, they haven't been one of these teams getting upset like an LSU in these last couple weeks of the season. And right. you, know, you can make the, the case, in fact, that Penn State is peaking at the, the best time in November as opposed to down like some of these other teams. I mean, it's it's like a situation... I- you know, I kind of look at it almost like uh, what was it like Notre Dame in 2012? They went to the they went to the championship game against Alabama. They were number one going into that game. They didn't really have any like signature wins on their schedule, but they won every game. You know, it, it's just a it's just the the simple nature of college football that if you win the games, like this is what happens to you. It's not Penn State's fault that none of these teams were ranked going into these games. I mean. Like internally, we know that this is a much improved team because Penn State is not losing the games that it's lost in the past. Um, on the national scale, like you want to look at, like if you really like want to take like a like an apples to apples example, like just look at the Alabama and Auburn game score. Like Penn State's score against Auburn is not that dissimilar to that game. So you know it's like. You, you just look at look at the whole body of work. Look at you know the margin of victory in certain places and how their defense has been so dominant and stuff like that. And the the picture becomes a lot clearer, in my opinion. Yeah, it really does. And even if you look at USC's margin of victory with their games, uh, they have like a lot of close games on there. Um, so I, I think it's impressive that Penn State these last uh, last three four weeks they've just been really dominant and. You know, they beat up Maryland, they beat up Indiana, they beat up Rutgers, they beat up Michigan State. Uh, so I'm excited to see them in their in their bowl game. And I, I truly hope it's the Rose Bowl, because I feel like if we get Tulane, I think they'll beat Tulane and we're just not going to get to truly know how good this team is. Yeah. And plus, I mean, Pasadena is that's just like the cream of the crop for for Big Ten teams. Like you look at you look at a trip to the Rose bowl as basically the ultimate uh, destination outside of the playoffs. Of course, it would be really nice to get a win in the Rose bowl after that really right. close loss to USC uh, a few years ago. So you know, definitely, hopefully, hopefully we get to see them again. Yeah. Like you said earlier, go Utes, go Utes. Uh, speaking of big 10, big 10 games, we'll, we'll finish off there. Minnesota beat Wisconsin for the battle of, uh, Paul Bunyan's axe. So they won 23 to 16. Uh, Purdue earned their way. They won the battle of the old Oak and Bo- Bucket. They beat Indiana 30 to 16. Illinois, uh, they showed up ready to play. They whooped Northwestern in the, the land of Lincoln game 41 to 3. However, uh, since Purdue won, they didn't get to earn that trip to the uh, Big Ten championship game. Maryland just beat up Rutgers 37-0. Nebraska upset Iowa 24 to 17 to which was hilarious. 
<laughs> which took away the Hawkeyes' hopes of uh, making the Big Ten championship. And then, of course, we had number three Michigan beating number two Ohio State in the game, 45-23. to 23. Yeah, so uh, I saw Nebraska did just enough not to blow the lead to Iowa. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Iowa, uh, they had a chance to go down the field, and I think to either tie or win the game, I forget which, but uh, yeah, so Iowa's chances at uh, a Big Ten championship game berth went out the window, and uh, to that I have to say, too bad. Oh yeah, what a shame for the Hawkeyes. If if yeah. only they spent more time uh, booing injured players, maybe it would have went their way. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy the uh, from that viral clip who made fun of uh, PJ Mustafer after he got injured, which essentially en- ended his season. I hope he's having fun today. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Sure he had a nice day. Uh, anything else you want to go over before we get out of here? No, man. Uh, this has been an absolute blast of a season, both from this podcast perspective and from a Penn State fan's perspective. I mean, we like we don't get these double-digit win seasons all that often. So we got to really treasure them uh, when they come. Penn State has a ton of hope and uh, a lot of uh, things going for them for the future. So I think next season is going to be even more exciting from that aspect. Uh, but from this podcast perspective, uh, just want to say it's been an absolute pleasure, Vince. Like this has been uh, so much fun. I just can't wait to continue this on into um, you know the rest of college basketball season and into like spring football practices and stuff like that. So just uh, can't wait to keep this train rolling. Yeah, me too. And I think we picked a really good time to start the podcast too because we've had mostly happy podcasts and, you know, going over <laughs> Penn State victories as opposed to the past two years, it would have been a not as enthusiastic podcast. So right. it's, it's always more fun to record when the team's winning. So really happy to see that they're doing well. I'm really looking forward to the basketball season and hope the basketball team keeps playing well like they have been and uh, continuing to uh, run the show. Next week, we're going to do try to do some uh, conference championship game previews, as well as handing out some uh, season grades and awards for Penn State. If you'd like to support the pod, please tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you enjoy the show, please leave a five-star review so that other Nittany Lion fans like you can find us. Interested in new episodes? You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or other streaming platforms to be notified. Thank you for listening, and we want to remind you that we are... The Nittany Blues Podcast. See you next time.